Hey, it's Ron McLean. Welcome to Hockey Talk on the Rock. With Laura and Keith. It's interesting. So let's back up a second. He played absolutely out of his mind. It now. made no sense to me. And now, here are your hosts. Number 77, Hockey Talk on the Rock, Laura and Keith, back to do full talking stuff um, here on Salt Spring, and it is May the, what? 17th. 17th. My birthday. It's your birthday. I, I know this. Um, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, yeah, we just did our mini bracket episode for round two. We're watching the Colorado Blues game. Blues are up. Um, and we're going to talk, starting like always, with some Canuck stuff, and then some league news, and recapping round one of the playoffs. Yeah, so unsurprisingly, I guess, it seemed like this was the, the direction it was going to go in. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux. Has, Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, Bruce Boudreaux <laughs> has agreed to come back. So he's coming back for the coming last back year's for a contract. Year. Yep. Uh, lame duck coach again for the Canucks. <laughs> Hopefully not for too long, but I, I, I'm very happy that this is what has transpired. I think it's going to be good to see what he can do again. From training camp onwards uh, if the Canucks can continue on this trajectory with him obviously the players like playing for him mm-hmm. and I yeah to me it's great that he's back and he deserves a shot mm-hmm. and um, it also might be that maybe he didn't have the interest that he thought he was gonna have yeah from other teams I think France kind of threw that off we'll get yeah. into that we'll though we'll get into that later uh, but yeah all around I think it's a win for the Canucks mm-hmm. and I really like having Bruce in the fold yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, I guess, the details that are working out is I think he wants to have a little more say in who's on the bench with him. Yeah, the assistance was a, like, you know. Like, he brought in Scott Walker. Yeah. But then everyone else was already there. Yeah. Uh, I read today that, like, there might be interest from Brad Shaw as, like, a main bench boss. Okay, interesting. So, I don't know if he's not one of his guys and he gets an opportunity. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So, we'll see how that works out through the summer as they kind of, uh, narrate things but when they were doing the interview with the russian prospect that we already talked about bruce was in it so we kind of had the feeling why would he not why would he be there if he's not going to be the coach exactly so So. yeah like you say unsurprising great news i think yeah i agree um and then i mean we can talk the speculation like we've talked for like (laughs) six months about trading jt miller (laughs) and now there's rumors that they might do it if it's too much money and then use that money to sign philippe forsberg yeah which might mean, like, on paper is intriguing, mm-hmm. especially when you start seeing people being like, Todd Coles and Pedersen yeah. and Forsberg on the line. That would be pretty sweet. Okay, my other one that I saw today <laughs> is Malkin. I saw Malkin, too. Yeah. I don't see it, though, because if they're, like, worried about JT Miller being yeah. old, like, Well, Malkin's I'd only see 36. it if he's, like, if he wants, like, a three-year deal or something. Uh, still, but 36 to 39. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the two, the difference, again, would be the term. Yeah. Because JT, obviously, he's played his whole career and he hasn't had that big payout yet. Yeah. So I understand from his perspective why you want it, mm-hmm. um, whereas Malkin has. Yeah. Um, but I also don't see it, especially considering, well, I mean, the Penguins offered him like $4 million or something. Uh, yeah, I read they offered him three years at 15. Yeah. So. So it, you know it's going to be north of that. Yeah. But I agree. I think Malkin's probably unlikely. Forsberg, you know, maybe. Like, if you could do some finagling where, again, you get good assets back for Miller, Mm -hmm. because obviously you're not trading him for nothing. I think that's, you know, the point of this. Um, He is a very good player. (laughs) And he brings something that is unique to the team. So it is 
I go, I waffle back and forth with it, but I think there's smart moves to be made, and if Notre Dame keeps competitive while giving them up, uh, it might be the right thing to do. But again, it depends. If I put my money on it, Forsberg stays in Nashville. I still think so too. Yeah, I agree. I think L.A. is an intriguing one. Yeah. Especially with the connection, like our his buddy Arvidsson went there. Yeah. Uh, that could be one, um, but you never know. Yeah, and then obviously the other one with the Canucks that we've talked about again yesterday is Besser, which connected to Forsberg to some degree as well. And there are some talks that they're going to re-engage in talks uh, for his RFA. And Rutherford did say that they do have the option of giving him the qualifying offer if they need to for mm-hmm. the year, which obviously wouldn't be ideal for the team because um, you walk him right to UFA. Yeah. But maybe maybe it is worthwhile because, again, if the Canucks don't do well at the trade deadline, you know, he's an R- uh, he's a UFA. You can just get him as a UFA, yeah, as a rental. Um, but that one is one to watch as well. And obviously, again, the other one would be Horvat. So those are the three that I think that we agree that there's going to at least sign Horvat. The latest yeah. rumors are, and I mean, who knows yeah. where the numbers and term is coming from realistically, yeah. but like, you know, Besser three years six mil. Yeah, it seems to be a common theory. Uh, Bo, six years by seven mil is yeah. a pretty common theory. Yeah. We'll see where it all goes. It's yeah. interesting that they made some efforts to try and trade OEL, too, Yeah. at the deadline, I guess, and probably still trying to. I assume, I mean, the OEL one is hard, right, because he is full control. Yeah. And he, like, beforehand, he was like, I'm only going to Boston or Vancouver, so... You know, mm-hmm. I would assume if that's the case, then Boston's not taking him. No, you would think not since they got Lindholm. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I do think OEL is an interesting move for multiple reasons, but maybe you could convince him to go somewhere else based on the fact that he will be stuck behind Quinn Hughes as an offensive defenseman, and he could probably go somewhere and have more of a role. Like we did see when Hughes was out of the lineup and he was on that first power play unit, he was effective. Like he's yeah. effective at putting pucks in the net yeah. um, and creating offense. But uh, he's not going to play over Hughes no. in this lineup. No. So, yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, again, this management is showing in the brief amount of time that they've been around that they are willing to do things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And I like that because, again, it feels like they're making kind of more smart hockey moves. And so maybe they'll pull something out of their sleeves that we haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Yeah. Like Similar to Hamannick felt like it came out of nowhere. Exactly. So, yeah, time will tell. Exciting summer ahead. Yeah. Um, and the draft lottery happened, and the Canucks are picking right where everyone thought they would be at number 15. <laughs> and New Jersey moved up to two, and yeah. uh, Montreal got one as expected. So, I mean, the interesting news of that, I think, is New Jersey moving up, particularly because they don't really need this pick. Yeah. Um, the top ha- like the po- top portion of this draft is really forward-heavy. Uh, New Jersey has a lot of young forwards. So if they are going to make moves... That, that, that number two pick, pick is pretty valuable. Is valuable. So yeah. that's an interesting one to watch. Um, and I was happy to see that Arizona was picking third because it just sucks, right? Like yeah. that team just sucks. And it's like, if they get Bedard next year, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. So anyway, I was happy to see them picking third because, you know, it's as low as they could go. But watch that New Jersey pick because there's tons of rumors about that, which we'll probably get into in a bit here. But yeah. And it's interesting, too, because there's a few really high-up ones, like Philly with five. Yeah. There's a lot of talk that definitely will want to move on that. Yeah. And then uh, what is Ottawa picking? Seven? Seven. It's the same, yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. So we'll see. 
Um, other league news besides the draft lottery, Barry Trotz got fired. Yeah, that's a big one. Which was very surprising, I thought, with one year left and the job that he's done minus this last yeah. year. But I feel like the excuses for last year piled up. Yeah. And they finished strong. Yeah. So he got canned. Lane Lambert got promoted, promoted yeah. from assistant to main bench boss, and Barry Trotz has like a half dozen teams or more like lining up to give yeah. him all the money. So. The thing that I've heard out of the Islanders firing trots is that the star players basically weren't happy with being, you know, defensive. Defensive. Yeah. So I think this is kind of a pitch to keep Barzal. And specifically, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it for the entire time I think this show has been around that we think that Barzal, if he played anywhere else, would be putting up considerably more points. Yeah. And I think he wants to now have that freedom to do it. The interesting thing is them promoting Lane Lambert from within because I think, again, he was very tied in to Trotz's system. Right. So it'd be weird. I, it's, there's a bit of misconnect there for me where it's like, okay, where's the difference going to come? Mm-hmm. But we'll see what his coaching style is like as mm-hmm. a head coach, I guess. Um, but yeah, he interviewed, Trotz, sorry, interviewed in Winnipeg today. And then the other coaching news of the week was that Peter DeBoer was fired in Vegas, which yeah. was not surprising. No. But right away, as soon as he was fired, everyone's connecting Trotz to Vegas because, you know, he's a defensive coach. You have arguably one of the best defensive players, defensive forwards in the league, and Mark Stone playing there. Yeah. And Petrangelo, who's a very solid defenseman. So if Trotz got his hands on those types of players, what could he do with that team? Um, I do think that Peter DeBoer getting fired was connected to Trotz being fired. Um in the sense that I don't know if it would have happened right away. Right. And I think that, again, him interviewing in Winnipeg is connected with DeBoer being fired. Right. So, all that stuff is interconnected, but Vegas is one of those teams where they trade out everyone, they fire everyone. Yeah. Welcome to Vegas, get out, kind of thing, so. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, what they all talk about, and obviously, is going to come down to what where Trotz wants to go. Yeah. Right and there's been talk with Philly too. Yeah, but does he like? Does he want to go to? <laughs> yeah. Does he want to go to Vegas? Like he's seen two coaches go through there in yeah. five years. Gallant got fired when he was in a winning season. Yeah. Like I don't know. And consider the fact too that Trotz has won a cup. Yeah. So maybe the winning, like obviously, if you're a experienced coach and you're given Vegas's roster, it could be appetizing, but. He has one, yeah. so probably the treatment of him matters more. Totally. Thing, right? And he's from Manitoba. He's from Manitoba. So the Winnipeg thing makes sense. Um, does he want to do it? You know? Yeah. There, and there's a lot of openings too, right? Like like Chicago yeah. and Detroit yeah. and whoever and else goes after the playoffs. See what runs. happens with yeah, this ending of the first round, beginning of the second now. We'll see if anyone else is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a very transitory period for the NHL. I totally, think, yeah. totally. Um, yeah, if we want to tie that into some of the teams that have been bounced out. Sure. Again, it does feel like there's kind of an ending of an era here um, in the sense that there are three teams that I think you could really reevaluate what they're doing. And two of them, I think it's more clear than third. Yeah. So we've got Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. we've got Boston, mm-hmm. and we've got Washington. So Pittsburgh, as long as, it, as like similar to Washington, right, as long as Crosby's healthy and he's there, they're going for it. They can't rebuild, right? Right. Um, Ovechkin, same thing, right? Those two, they're going for it. But you have Malkin, you have Latang, and you have Rust to a lesser degree because I think he would be the most replaceable of those three. 
Um, so we're all UFAs, um, and I don't think it sounds like Latang and Malton, as we both said earlier, are close. So that team could look 100% different than they did in the playoffs. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see what they would do with all that money, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think they're in a bad spot, right? Like, again, I, I, I think that Crosby playing the way that he has, and I'm happy to hear that he didn't have a concussion, mm-hmm. um, has been very inspiring to watch at 35. He's just on a tear. Yeah. And Jake Gensel, I think, is one of the most underrated forwards in the league. Yeah, he's good. It's not just because he plays with Crosby, right? So you have those two. Their defense is not great. Right. And they've never been that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have pieces on that team that can score to kind of support them. So I think that they're in an okay position. Boston, if we're flipping it. Yeah. I think, like, as a Canucks fan, again, we hate Boston. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, I have total respect for. Um, so he's, like, the only player on that team that for, like, again, the last... Like, honestly, if I want to be honest and not from a Canucks perspective, the fact that we're talking about the Bruins in 2022 when they won a cup in 2011 yeah. and were competitive before that is impressive. I've like, been to the finals two more times since yeah, that cup. They've had they've had a dominant team. Yeah. And it's been annoying but like call a spade a spade, right? Bergeron huge part of that. The way that he acted when he went off the ice, it seemed like it was the end. Well, yeah, not just the respect he got from, you know, all the Carolina players, yeah. but, like, then he individually hugged every one of his teammates. Yeah, and he know? shook, like, the ref's hands and all that stuff, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, he's probably going to win the Selkie, it sounds like, this year. He's yeah. very on top of his game. He's played there for 19 years or something. Yeah. So you take Bergeron out of that lineup, they lost Krejci last year. Those are your top two centers, and they didn't really do anything to replace Krejci, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their leader, Char, is gone. Rask is gone. So this is my proposal to you. Do you think there's a world in which they look at moving Brad Marchand? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, without hesitation. Because let's say Bergeron does retire. Yeah. That whole team looks a lot different. Yeah. Like, a lot different. Yeah, and I would actually say, again, probably another Canucks first nightmare, I think they could be one of the bottom teams in the league next year. They could be. Yeah. yeah. Easy peasy. Um, because just such a big part of their locker room, but also of their play on the ice, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are talking about moving these other major pieces to your team, it could change pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, like the defensively, they locked in um, McAvoy and Lindholm. Yep. And then you know they've got other defense, Gr- Grizzlick and yeah. all that. Like their defense is actually pretty good, but their forward depth is so lacking. That it, like, how could you not look at because Marshawn still had another great year? Yeah, he's good. It's like a JT Miller thing, yeah. like, the pieces they could recoup in a deal would be massive. And I, I don't think you're there yet with Pasternak, but it might be close, right? Like, mm-hmm. you might have another year where it's like, okay, you're not great, and yeah. then it's like, okay, what do we do with this guy? Yeah, because he's also really talented. But anyway, I think Boston is interesting, and then the one that I've heard the least amount is Washington of those three, right? And I think it's just because they don't have those UFAs going up. But the Baxton thing now is interesting. Yeah, the Baxton thing. Since it sounds like his hip is pretty messed up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's even question marks like, is he done now, you know? Yeah. And we're getting to that time, right, with all these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's sad to say, but it is really like an end of an era. Um, but Washington's a team that they won the Cup and they've never been able to win around. Yeah. And so... 
you've got to think they're going to do something to mm-hmm. shake it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if Backstrom's done, then for sure. But those pieces there, uh, I, I don't have anyone that I'm like that excited about that's coming up in that system. Where it's like, okay. Yeah. And then last quick combo here <laughs> before we get to the big, meaty, juicy one is Minnesota. Yeah. Because uh, their loss to St. Louis did stink. And the fact that they really had to go for it this year. Yeah. And they need that because they have, I believe it's $12 million. It might be higher than that, though. I think it's 14 then 12 then 12, 12 Of dead cap for the next three years based on the Ryan Suter and the uh, Parise bios. bios. Yeah. And, again, it sounds like that they're trading Fiala. It sounds like it's going to be to New Jersey. Really? Um, But it could be... I think there could be other places, but he did put up 82 points in 20 game, I believe. 85. 85, so he's above a point a game yeah. uh, this year, and they're not going to be able to afford him. I assume you're bringing back Talbot because I don't think you're going to be able to get Philly to come back. He's got one year left, right, yeah. Talbot? Yeah, so. so, I mean, I read, like, I've read, it's almost alternating every day. Like, it's like Fiala's gone. Garen's going to do something that you wouldn't expect to keep him. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read that this is the year they're going to trade Dumba and then re-sign Fiala. And then yeah. I, the next day I read they're going to trade Fiala to L.A. because L.A. has the young pieces sure. they can afford to bring, bring in back. and then stay competitive. Yeah. Um, and, we like we talked about with Forsberg, L.A. kind of needs, like, an upgrade in their top six. Yeah. And we saw this year big-time growth from them. Like, yeah. I don't think we really need to cover their loss to Edmonton no. because... They they were they played above expectations. Yeah, they were good, yeah. and it's gonna be good. Like uh, whatever, there was eight or eleven players on their roster yeah. that never been in a playoff game. Like yeah. it was a good growth year for them. Shout out Troy from Richmond. Troy from Richmond, right? Um, <laughs> like yeah, we don't really cover that. I don't really want to cover Dallas too much because no. they punched above their weight class yeah. too, and it was mainly Andre. Andre, and uh, the only thing I'll say is like with Andre, it, there are some parallels to the Canucks that I see yep. with Dallas in the sense that. You have a really good young goaltender. You have a very good young uh, forward in Jason Robertson. And you have a very good young defenseman in Heiskanen. Yeah. And then you have, what are you going to do? But their defense but is way better. Their defense is way better, but they also have those albatross contracts of Ben and Sagan yeah. for like a lot more years yeah. than the Canucks do. So the, there's parallels between the, the Canucks and Dallas that I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, Ottinger's season... I mean, I was proud because I was like at the beginning of the year, I was like 100% Ottinger is going to be their goalie. And then it came true. So I'm like, yeah, okay, we got this. Yeah. But um, yeah, other than that, doesn't need to be talked about. I agree. No. And then like quickly, we knew without Soros, yep. Nashville wasn't going to last no. long. They got swept. Um, Nashville has the second longest making the playoff streak in the league. That's insane. Behind Pittsburgh. Wow. Um, which is kind of sneaky because you wouldn't really think no, it. No, I would never. But, like, I mean, if, if Forsberg walks, uh, how does it not as a step back year next year? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And everyone on that team overachieved, like, basically. Yeah. So you got to think it's not going to be as good. Yeah. So, again, not a lot to talk about there. Disappointing Minnesota. Props to St. Louis because it was going to be a big, heavy series. And they, they did They, they did, did their, their thing. thing. Yeah. And again, that balance scoring in St. Louis is it can be deadly, and yeah. I mean, yeah, that's basically it with that series, I would say. Mm-hmm. So then we got the big meaty one. Yeah, the last but not least. <laughs> the last but not least. <laughs> yeah. So, the least. Okay. So I've gone back and forth with this one in my head too, mm-hmm. and I want to start with Tampa because again, similar to Boston, I want to give them some props. Yeah. Um, this team has been so dominant for the last ten years. 
again, if the Canucks hadn't played Boston in that final, it would have been uh, Tampa. And the core itself is basically completely different outside of Stamkos and Hedman. Yeah. But this team, I think, is the best team I've ever seen. And I was talking about it this weekend, and I was like, you know, when you watch them enter the zone, and maybe it's because I'm a Canucks fan, and this is the thing they struggle with the most, but when Tampa enters the zone, it's like almost like poetry. Mm-hmm. They're just so good at it. And they bring these guys in. I think they're really smart with this. They key on these players that they're like, okay, I need a, a bargain for my buck, basically, who can play on my third and my fourth line. Or they draft yeah. those players. And it's so impressive when you st- like. I know they show the stats of the Game 7 um, from Tampa that was like, you know, Kucherov and uh, Point and all the main guys basically never score in those Game 7s. It's always their depth guys. Right. And it's so impressive to me that year after year when you're like cycling out all these players that mm-hmm. you can still get that. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same story. And then again, Vasilevsky in that Toronto series wasn't very good, but when he needed to be from like the end of Game 6 to Game 7, he was like their best player. Yeah. And it's just never without a doubt. I think he's the best big game player in the league. And I will eat some stuff here because, like, two years ago when Tampa first went to the final, I was like, I don't think Vasilevsky's that good. I think he's overrated. I totally disagree with what I said now. I think he's the best goalie in the world. He might, I think you can make an argument that he's the best player in the league. Like, right. He's just on a different level. Now, Toronto. <laughs> so I think it's easy to make the excuse that you're up against that team. Yeah. That they're so good and all that stuff. You were up in the series, you were up in game six, and you somehow lost in seven. Yeah. And it's the same story every year. And you cycle out different, again, pieces to this puzzle because you've given so much of your salary cap to really four forwards. And I don't think it works. And I think that they have to change something this summer. And I obviously you're not. I'm not saying anything drastic. Like you're not trading Matthews. You're not trading Marner. And I, I don't think you can trade Tavares. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's. I don't think he's a tradable contract. I don't think he's a tradable contract. And also, I think he has a full no move right now. Right. So why would he go if he came back to you know yeah. play for his home team? And honestly, I think Tavares takes quite a bit of flack right now. Like he did have a decent series, especially in the later portion of it. I thought he played quite well. Mm-hmm. And if they do transition him onto the wing, which is what now they're talking about. I think that he'll be a pretty dominant winger. Like he's not, he's not awful, yeah. but you just can't trade that contract. So it, it basically leaves the same person you've talked about for four years to trade, which would be Nylander. Yeah. And again, I think Nylander in the last two years has probably been their best forward in the in playoffs, playoffs too. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's very conflicting, but I do think you need to bring in someone, and I really think you need to bring in someone that has won. Like, Jason Spezza giving a speech or whatever in Game 5 to get them to rally back is great, but you need someone else. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Jason Spezza's never won a cup. No, I know. And they've never brought in those guys that have. Yeah. It's always these guys that have always wanted to win one, and that's great. I think it's a nice story, but I think you need to bring in a winning culture, and I think they need some drastic, drastic changes with that team. Um, I don't know. Like, there's people talking about the coach. I don't think they've hired Hughes. I don't think they're firing Dubas, and I think that's the right call. They were very close to beating Tampa, and they do have a good team. But the argument that, you know, Tampa lost for a long time before they won, I don't think necessarily applies to Toronto. So, yeah. Anyway, that's all i got to say about Toronto and 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I can't put it on Campbell this year. Like, no. like with Montreal, I think you could. Yep. Especially game seven. Um, oh, Campbell was great. He was very good. Yeah. Um, their defense was meh, but you know it's always been pretty meh. <laughs> but what do you do? Like Muzzin was good, and Giordano was good, and and I don't know, Riley was pretty good. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like they don't have the money to bring in the game breaker they need. Yep. But um. I, I can see them trying their best to move money out to bring in, like, Latang. Yeah. Because, like you say, they need someone who's who's won some cups, and he's got three. And, I mean, it seems like it works enough for them to bring in different rotating pieces up front around those... Those, you know, the minimum contracts that yeah, are going like, to push over the lane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They do good enough with that. that yeah. It seems like it's the blue line where they really need to bring in someone who's not Morgan Riley, who can... Do something. Do something. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. The only thing I'll, the other thing I'll say about them is I do think in the Tampa series, what was clear is that I don't think their depth was as good as Tampa's up front, and specifically with the third and fourth line. Yeah. And that will be something that, for me, again, if you were going to trade a Nylander, like, you look at bringing in those pieces that would allow you yeah. to, you know, fill out that bottom six a little bit more with scoring threats. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, again, I'm like, okay, Jack Campbell's UFA. I don't know what you sign him for. I don't know if you bring him back. I don't know if you try someone else. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like they're going to lose Mikheyev, which I don't know how much that matters. Right, because um, he didn't have a great playoffs. He didn't have a great playoffs. Again, he's been around. I think it's time to bring in someone new. Um, but you are you you could trade Kerfoot. Like, okay, this is the stuff you could do. Trade Kerfoot and you can bring in someone else. But really, what's that going to do? Right. I think it has to be something bigger. Yeah, I really do. It does. Um, I think it has to shock their system a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't, like, I'm not going to put money on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Nylander's gone this summer. Yeah. And I know Dubas promised him, but, you know, promises are broken all the time. Totally. So we'll see. That'll be definitely one to watch because, <laughs> yeah, I think the majority of people thought this was the year. They were going to break through, and Tampa's tired. I was and trying to be okay with them winning a round. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, I'll be happy for their fans, and then they blew it, and I was like, you know what, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we talked about it back at the trade deadline, where I, I tried to predict, like, I, I think Tampa did their moves in the offseason, and they yeah. ended up trading for Hagel and Nick Paul, and Hagel's been a non-factor, but Nick Paul had a big game seven. Yeah. But, I mean, like you say, for that depth, like, Tampa built that fourth line of Belmar, Perry, and Maroon. And that is like the prototypical fourth line for the playoffs. Experience, yep. gritty, gonna get some and goals Perry and some big moments. And Belmar scored tonight, right? Yep. It's like, okay. Totally. He's getting those points from those bottom six guys. And yep. I mean, like, shout out too to Ross Bolton. He's yep. the guy they drafted and he comes in. He's playing in, third line center. Yeah. Fills in for Braden Point when Braden Point goes down. It's yep. like, okay, like, just rotate in, rotate in. And I know, again, I get that part of the reason why Tampa's so successful is they do have, like, the Florida thing on their side where players are willing to pay like play for less because they're making more money. They yeah. don't have to pay the tax. Yeah. And also they've won. So, you know, people are willing to go to a winning organization. But, you know, Toronto, for example, you're playing in Canada and you're making American money. Yeah. So that's pretty good too. Like <laughs> there's advantages to everything. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We will see. So, yeah, we did our brown bracket thing for our predictions for round two. We will see how it goes. Uh, go Avs. <laughs> go Panthers. <laughs> Everyone else I don't really care about. 
Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, and then I think that kind of covers it. I don't know if there was any other league news that we really missed. I don't think so. That was a good ramble. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for listening to a lengthy recap of first round and episode number 77. This has been Hockey Talk on the Rock. Woo!